I just want her to know that she knows her husband like no one else and knows the kind of man he was. I didn't. I judged him from a book and I murdered him. He was in a book. He was extremely famous. I didn't kill him because of his character or the kind of man he was. He was a family man. He was an icon. He was someone that spoke of things that now we can speak of and it's great. Back in the 60s, when you said the things that he said, you were a creep. I remember I was in my 20s and I was conscious of the times and the press and presidency and all of that and how they looked upon anti-war people. Now we realise that Vietnam was a horrible mistake. This has to go and you put your life on the line back then when you felt that way. This was the kind of man he was. I assassinated him, to use your word earlier, because he was very, very, very famous. And that's the only reason, and I was very, very, very much seeking self-glory, very selfish. I want to add that and emphasize that greatly. It was an extremely selfish act. I'm sorry for the pain that I caused to her. I think about it all of the time. This was Mark Chapman, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. Mark David Chapman was born May 10th, 1955, in Fort Worth, Texas. His father was a staff sergeant in the Air Force, and his mother was a nurse. As a kid, he was in constant fear of his father, who was physically abusive to his mother and extremely unloving to him. Chapman began living in an imaginary world where he had godlike powers over a group of tiny people who lived in the walls of his bedroom. By 14, he was using drugs and skipping school. Once he ran away to Atlanta, where he lived rough on the streets for two weeks. He wasn't very sporty and would often get bullied in school because of this. In 1971, he became a born-again Presbyterian and distributed biblical literature. Here he met his first girlfriend, Jessica Blankenship. He began work as a summer camp counsellor. He was very popular with the kids who often called him Nemo. He was made assistant director after he won an award for outstanding counsellor. Those who knew him at the time all said he was an outstanding worker and very hard and diligent at what he did. From a friend's recommendation, Chapman read The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Sandlogan. This book will make a huge impact on Chapman's life, so much that he modelled himself from then on after the character Holden Caulfield, who was a rebellious teen in the book and taught by some to be among the most important character of the 20th century American literature. So Chapman graduated and he moved to Chicago for a time. He played guitar at churches and at Christian nights out. He worked for World Vision, an evangelical Christian humanitarian aid, development and advocacy organization. He visited Lebanon for this work and then returned to Fort Chaffer in Arkansas, where he continued his world vision work with the Vietnamese refugees at the resettlement camp. He was an area coordinator and key aide to 
Programme Director David Moore. Moore would describe Chapman as hardworking and one who cared deeply for the children. Chapman would attend meetings with Moore, meeting government officials and high public figures. He even met and shook hands with President Gerald Ford. Chapman and his girlfriend Jessica joined Covenant College, but Chapman became distracted, fell behind in his studies, and would be consumed with guilt from an affair that he had. Suicidal thoughts began as he felt more and more like a failure. After just one semester, he dropped out, and soon after, his relationship with Jessica ended. Chapman went back to the resettlement camp, but soon after this, he left during a heated argument with a supervisor. He would get work as an unarmed security guard, but would go on to do a week's course to qualify as an armed guard. In 1977, Chapman went to Hawaii, where he tried to commit suicide. He connected a hose to his car's exhaust pipe, but the hose melted. A psychiatrist examined Chapman and admitted him to Castle Memorial Hospital to be treated for clinical depression. Once he was released, he began working at the hospital. His mother would join him in Hawaii after divorcing his father. In 1978, he went on a world trip for six weeks. He went to Tokyo, Seoul, Hong Kong, Singapore, Bangkok, New Delhi, Beirut, Geneva, London, Paris, and finally Ireland. He would meet and date travel agent Gloria Abbey, whom he married June 2nd, 1979. Chapman's job at the hospital was as a printer, working alone away from staff and patients. The hospital fired him, later rehired him, and then following an argument with a nurse, he quits. He got a job as a night security guard and started to drink a lot. He began to fixate on artwork, the book The Catcher in the Rye, music, and on musician John Lennon. In September 1980, he sent a letter to her friend, Linda Irish. In the letter, he said he was going nuts and signed the letter off as The Catcher in the Rye. So Chapman apparently stated he planned to kill the Beatles musician John Lennon three months before the murder. Chapman was a die-hard fan of the Beatles, but went against Lennon because of a religious conversion and from a remark Lennon made in 1966 saying the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Chapman was always swayed by the book Anthony Fawcett's John Lennon, One Day at a Time, which detailed Gen uh, John Lennon's life. According to Chapman's wife, Chapman was angry that Lennon would talk about love and peace, but yet he had millions. Chapman would later say, quote, He told us to imagine no possessions, and there he was, with millions of dollars, and yachts, and farms, and country estates, laughing at people like me, who had believed the lies, and bought the records, and built a big part of their lives around his music, end quote. Chapman's plan was said to be erratic, confused and muddled. For years he was gone back and forth whether he felt justified by his spiritual beliefs at the time or if he wanted fame for the deed. At the time and for many years later he mentioned during a psychiatric break he did what he did to promote the catcher in the rye. 
sending a single letter to the New York Times asking the public to read the novel. Journalist James Gaines interviewed Chapman a lot and he would say he never taught Chapman killed Lennon to become a celebrity. Later at a parole hearing, Chapman claimed to have a hit list of alternatives that included Beatles Paul McCarthy, talk show host Johnny Carson, actress Elizabeth Taylor, actor George C. Scott, former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, just elected President Reagan and the Governor of Hawaii, George Arosi, along with others. At the 2010 hearing, he said you got on the list because of fame and that Lenin he chose out of convenience. It's rumoured Chapman went to Woodstock, New York in search for Todd Rundgren, another one of his obsessions. Todd is an American singer, songwriter and performed solo and as a member of the band Utopia. When Chapman was arrested, he wore a Rundgren t-shirt and had a copy of his ballad of Todd Rundgren in his hotel. The day he murdered Lennon, David Bowie was on Broadway for The Elephant Man. Bowie was second on Chapman's hit list. Chapman had front row tickets the night after Lennon died to The Elephant Man. Lennon and his wife, Yoko, also had front row tickets that night. The night after Lennon died, three front row seats sat empty to The Elephant Man. Bowie was aware of it all and said it was very hard to go on stage and that he almost didn't make it through the performance. So Chapman went to New York City in late October 1980 to kill Lennon, but left and went to Atlanta to get ammo from a friend before going back in November. While in New York in the October, he was inspired by the film Ordinary People to halt his plans. He'd head home to Hawaii and told his wife his plans, even showing her the gun and bullets, but she didn't go to police or contact mental health services. Chapman did make an appointment with a clinical psychologist, but he didn't attend. Instead, he flew back to New York City December 6, 1980. At one point there, he considered ending his life by jumping from the Statue of Liberty. December 7th, while in the subway, Chapman had an altercation with singer James Taylor. Later on, Chapman alleged offered offering cocaine to a taxi driver as payment. The night Chapman spoke to his wife on the phone. They spoke about him getting help and that his first step was to fix his relationship with God. The next morning, December 8th, Chapman left his, his hotel, purposely leaving items for the police to find. He would go and buy a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. On the first page, he wrote, this is my statement, signing it off as Holden Caulfield. He went and floated around the entrance at the Dakota apartment building where Lennon lived. Chapman would chit chat to the doorman and fans waiting for Lennon. At some point, Chapman was distracted and Miss Lennon entering the building. Later in the morning, he did meet the housekeeper, returning with Lennon's five-year-old son, Sean. Chapman shook Sean's hand, remarking what a beautiful child he was. At 5 p.m., Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, left to go to a recording session. As they headed to, wait, to the waiting limo, 
Chapman silently approached, holding a copy of the album Double Fantasy. Paul Grosch, an amateur photographer, was there taking photos of Lennon, and he took a photo of this interaction. Later in an interview, Chapman said he asked Grosch to hang around for a bit, but he refused. He also spoke about asking a Lennon fan out on a date while there, but she turned him down. Chapman hinted he may have not killed Lennon that evening if Grosch had kept in company or if the girl had accepted the invite. But he did indicate it would have happened another day. At 10.50pm, a limo pulled up. John and Yoko got out. They walked past Chapman to the entrance. From the street, Chapman fired five hollow point bullets from a .38 special revolver. Four hit Lennon in the back and shoulder, puncturing his lung and left subclavicular artery. A newspaper would later claim Chapman softly called out Mr. Lennon. It is said that after this, Chapman then dropped into a combat stance and fired. Chapman said he didn't remember saying anything and Lennon didn't turn to indicate he had been called. Chapman stayed on scene after the shooting. As officers arrived, Chapman appeared to be reading the catcher in their eye. He was arrested without a fuss. The first responders would immediately see Lennon was in a really bad way, so they took him by squad car to Roosevelt Hospital. Lennon was pronounced dead on arrival. Chapman would say to police, quote, I'm sure that a big part of me is holding Caulfield, who is the main person in the book. The small part of me must be the devil, end quote. Chapman was charged with second degree murder. He would tell the police he used hollow point bullets to ensure Lennon's death. His wife, Gloria, was not charged, even though she knew of his obsession, his plans to kill Lennon and didn't let anyone know about them. Chapman would resent her deeply for not stopping him by telling someone. Many psychologists and psychiatrists interviewed Chapman for six months before his trial. Three were for prosecution, six for defence and several on behalf of the court. They did a battery of exams with more than 200 hours of clinical interviews. All of those for the defence said Chapman was psychotic. Five of the six said he was paranoid schizophrenia while the six felt he was manic depressive. The three for prosecution said he fell short of psychosis and indicated he had personality disorder. The court appointed experts agreed with prosecution that he was delusional but could stand trial. During the examinations, Chapman cooperated more with the prosecution mental health team. One psychiatrist would remark Chapman didn't want to be branded crazy and felt the defence experts were going to say he was simply because they were hired to do so. Pastor Charles McGowan knew Chapman and visited him. He renewed Chapman's faith, suggesting demonic powers at work. But McGowan would reveal private details Chapman said to him to the press, squashing Chapman's confidence in him and having Chapman turn from Christianity and sticking to the story he killed Lennon to promote reading the catcher in the rye. So Chapman got a court-appointed lawyer named Herbert Alderberg, but he bowed out when threats of lynching came to him. Chapman would first be in hospital to conduct clinical exams, but soon police were becoming concerned that Lennon's fans 
might try to storm the hospital, so for Chapman's safety, he was moved to Rikers Island. At the first hearing in January 1981, Chapman's new lawyer, Jonathan Marks, told him to plead not guilty by reason of his sanity. In the February, Chapman sent a letter to the New York Times, urging people to read the life-changing The Catcher in the Rye. The defence team looked for witnesses to testify Chapman's mental state at the time of the killing. But in June, Chapman told Marks he wanted to drop the insanity defence and plead guilty. Marks didn't buy it. He questioned Chapman's state of mind, thought he had snapped. No sane person would openly plead guilty, that's just crazy. So he legally challenged Chapman's competency to make this decision. At the June 22nd hearing, Chapman said God told him to plead guilty and that he wouldn't change his plea or even appeal no matter what the sentence. Marks, his lawyer, would oppose the change of plea to guilty and that Chapman wasn't listening to his advice. Judge Dennis Edwards Jr. refused any more assessments. He stated Chapman made the decision of his own free will. He declared Chapman competent to plead guilty. August 24, 1981, the sentencing hearing took place. Two experts gave evidence on Chapman's behalf. Dorothy Lewis, an American psychiatrist, was interrupted by the judge. He would clarify to her the hearing was for sentencing only and not to question Chapman's criminal responsibility, as Lewis had been doing. Lewis would say Chapman's decision to change his plea wasn't reasonable and she would imply the judge didn't want to allow an independent competency assessment. The DA argued Chapman killed Lennon for fame. Chapman was given a chance to speak. He chose to read from the catcher in the rye. This is what he said from an extract of Holden telling his little sister Phoebe what he wants to do with life. Quote, I keep picturing all these little kids playing some game in this big field of rye and all. Thousands of little kids and nobody's around. Nobody big, I mean, except me. And I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. What I have to do I have to catch anybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all I do all day. I just be the catcher in their eye and all." End quote. Chapman was sentenced to 20 years to life with ordered psychiatric treatment. In 1981, he was in Attica Correctional Facility, which is just outside Buffalo, New York. In February 1982, he went on a fast for 26 days, ending with the New York State Supreme Court ordering the state to force feed him. The head of the Central New York Psychiatric Center, Martin Von Holden, said Chapman was refusing to eat with inmates. But he would take liquid nitrogens. For his safety from Lennon fans, Chapman was held in solitary confinement, but according to the New York State Department of Correctional Services, they said the 105 prisoners in the facility were not considered a risk to Chapman. He was given his own cell, but spent most of his time housekeeping or in the library. Chapman in prison would work as a legal clerk and a sous chef. He wasn't allowed to be part of the Cephas Attica workshop 
a charitable organisation helping inmates adjust to life outside of prison. He also wasn't allowed to attend the prison violence and anger management classes due to concern for his safety. In 2004, he told the parole board, if paroled, quote, I would immediately try to find a job, and I really want to go from place to place, at least in the state, church to church, and tell people what happened to me and point them the way to Christ, end quote. He also mentioned finding work as a farmhand or returning to his printer trade. Chapman was in the family reunion programme, allowing one conjugal visit a year with his wife. It also allows 48 hours alone with his wife in a specially built prison home. In addition to this, he got occasional visits from his sister, clergymen and some friends. May 15, 2012, he was transferred to the Wendy Correctional Facility in Alden. Chapman would refuse all requests for the first six years of Attica, later saying he didn't want to be seen to have killed for fame. James R. Gaines would get an interview and wrote a three-part 18,000-word series in People magazine from 1981 to March 1987. Chapman would tell the parole board he regret regretted this interview. Jack Jones would do a series of audio-taped interviews with Chapman, later publishing a book called, quote, Let Me Take You Down Inside the Mind of Mark David Chapman, The Man Who Killed John Lennon, end quote. This was published in 1992. Jones would ask Chapman to tell a story on a TV programme in 2000, but Chapman refused to go on camera. He did allow his story to be told on tape. Chapman's first interview, though, would come on TV, but would be done on December 4th, 1992, on ABC's 2020 with Barbara Walters. Chapman first became eligible for parole in 2000, serving 20 years. Under New York state law, he is allowed a parole hearing every two years from then on. Since then, a three-member board has denied Chapman 11 times. Before the first parole, Yoko Ono, John Lennon's wife, sent a letter requesting Chapman to be kept in prison for the remainder of his life. The timeline for his 11 parole hearings runs as follows. In 2000, a 50-minute hearing was done. Chapman would claim not to be a threat anymore and that Lennon would want him released. The parole board concluded releasing him would, quote, deprecate the seriousness of the crime and serve to undermine respect of the law, end quote. They also mentioned the ongoing interviews made it appear interest in maintaining his notoriety was high. 2002, they would use the deprecate the seriousness reason again, although remarked his behaviour record is clean, but was achieved in solid confinement, so it doesn't indicate community behaviour. 2004 denied again due to the monumental suffering Yoko Ono was dealing with from witnessing the crime. Another reason was concern for Chapman, with many, many threatening to kill him if he ever was released. 2006. This hearing was 16 minutes. He was denied for his own safety and it wasn't seen in the best interest of the community. That year is the 26th anniversary of Lennon's death. Yoko called that, that December 8th should be the day of forgiveness, although she wasn't sure if she was ready to forgive Chapman. 2008, he was denied a fifth time due to concerns for the public safety and welfare. 2010, the sixth parole hearing, Yoko once again opposed it for her safety, that of her son, Sean, 
and of Chapman's. He was denied as he remains inappropriate at this time and incompatible with the welfare of the community. 2012 he was denied on the grounds the board believed he would re-offend. 2014 he was denied again. Chapman said to the board, quote, I am sorry for being such an idiot and choosing the wrong way for glory. I found my peace in Jesus. I know him. He loves me. He has forgiven me. He has helped me in my life. You wouldn't believe. End quote. But the board weren't buying it and they said, quote, there is, an a re- there is a reasonable probability that you would not live and remain at liberty without again violating the law. End quote. 2016 denied for the night time. Chapman would now say he saw his crimes as premeditated, selfish and evil. 2018, a 10th deny. The parole board wrote to Chapman noting he was low risk to offend, but that he, quote, admittedly carefully planned and executed the murder of a world famous person for no reason other than to gain notoriety. While no one person's life is any more valuable than any other life, the fact that you chose someone who was not only a world-renowned person and beloved by millions, regardless of pain and suffering you would cause to his family, friends and so many others, you demonstrated a callous disregard for the sanctity of human life and the pain and suffering of others. This fact remains a concern to this panel." End quote. 2020 was the 11th denied hearing. Official reason, quote, it would be incompatible with the welfare of society, end quote. August 2022 is the next scheduled parole hearing for Chapman. This will be the 12th hearing. Thank you all for listening. Next time I'll be looking at Charles Lindbergh, an American aviator who rose to international fame in 1927 after becoming the first person to fly solo and non-stop across the Atlantic Ocean in his monoplane, Spirit of St. Louis. With tragedy and a fall from grace of sorts would come after a child kidnapping and murder, suspicious connections to the Nazis and an unusual opinion against the war and Jews. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.